Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. Although we are often considered a cowboy church, we're actually a community of diverse people from many different backgrounds who have a common commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. It is... uh good to be celebrating uh, family today and mothers in our midst and uh, it is so important to do so to honor what God does with us and how he works in our in our lives and we're so grateful for our mothers I certainly am for all that she meant to me my mother is now in glory in heaven and looking down on me and correcting my grammar every time I get up and uh she she's given me a wonderful legacy as i'm sure mothers in your life has as well around the world people are are often anxious and afraid i don't know if you sense that about uh, people and about the way the world is i have an account on facebook and i get all these things about how the world's falling apart you ever get those and about what's happening to families and so on and uh There's, uh, families are really under attack in many different ways, Um, and it's kind of odd how we are busting families apart. I started ministry many, many, many years ago, and uh, back in, any of you remember the 80s, the last millennium, you do, in the 70s? And you might have remembered back then they were reporting how marriages were breaking up at a 50% divorce rate and how terrible it was. And then a thing came onto the scene called Focus on the Family and Dr. Dobson took it on because families were fragmenting all over the place. And uh, has the news really changed much today? Are we still having a lot of issues? I remember my children coming home from school when they would go to elementary and they came home. And uh, I remember my son saying to me one day, he said, Daddy, yes, we have a weird family. (laughs) We have a weird family? Why do you say that, son? He said, because we have a mommy and a daddy. None of my friends have mommies or daddies. They have one mom or mostly a mommy and no daddy. And one day, my uh, younger son came home and asked my wife, he said, Mom, when are you and Dad getting a divorce? Because everybody was getting divorces when they were going through school. And they thought that was the normal thing. And he he was assured that Mommy and Daddy are not getting a divorce. And so we grew up with a weird family. And uh, I thank God for that weirdness. But there is a sense of despair and can anything work and at times all the world seems against families and especially godly families but there is one who is the champion of the family he is the one who created family who wants to restore it and bring it back to its intended glory do you believe that god has a plan I want to tell you about God's plan in this sermon series. It is a plan to save the world. Economically, politically, ethnically, culturally, in every which way you could think of it, God has a plan. 
It's been around for quite some time, and he intends to redeem this world. And if you're concerned about what can be done to restore, to heal, to bring peace, to lift people out of despair, then you want to hear this sermon series and what we're about to share with you. Family is the key to God's plan by which this world will be restored and blessed and redeemed. It is his main tool for changing the world. With families under attack more than ever, we need to get back to God's original plan and solution for a fallen world. The family of faith was the plan from the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve. Their children came with a prophetic hope that once sometime their descendants would arise, someone who would crush evil under his heel. His plan continued through Noah, the last faithful family on earth before the great flood. And the earth, the scripture tells us, groans right now for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. It's about family. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what your experience in life has been so far, and I don't care what it is, God wants you to be a part of the family of faith. He has declared this through his prophets. Romans 9, verse 25 to 26 says this, I will call those who are not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called the sons, and I could say daughters, of the living God. Family is the key to God's plan of redemption. If you repent of your sins and you've asked Jesus to forgive you and you've received the Holy Spirit, Gospel of John chapter 3 says you are born again. And with that new birth comes the right to become a son or a daughter of God. You become a part of a family as soon as you do, John 3. You are not just saved. You become a part of God's family, a brother and sister with everyone else who was born again. The family of faith is the hope of this world. No wonder evil, no wonder evil wants to destroy it and hinder it and block it from doing all it could do. God created all that you see, and he has created a lot of things that you've never seen. He has did all that from nothing. He just brought it into existence with a spoken word. All that we see in the earth and sky and sky came into existence. Yet something more amazing happens because when he speaks, when God speaks, he can create a family faith out of broken and lost people like you and me. He takes broken pieces, he makes something wonderful over many, many generations when he can find just one person who will believe in him. And you could be that person today. I want to see how he does that, and we're going to start with a man who he took one person, and with him he began this great plan. His name was Abram, found in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. 
You can look at the screens or you can look up your Bible or pull out your small screens and look there, whichever you want to do. But uh, important to have your Bibles, you know, whatever form you have them, and get into them and read them. Genesis 12, 1 through 8. I'm going to start just with verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house. The beginning is always important when God creates something. In this passage are essentials for how God takes a person, and just one person, and he begins to build a family, a faith, and a nation based on this one foundation. And this uh, how he begins with you and with me and how he creates a better world for all of us who will follow and say yes to him. If you're trying to build a better family life than the one you grew growing up with, if you're trying to do better than your parents, any of you trying to do better than your parents? Hopefully. Or if you're trying to reform a nation and bring it back to its senses, What's in these few verses we're about to look at today is critical to your success. If you don't build on the foundations that are laid here of what God has created and what he intends, that whatever you will build will collapse if you aren't building on this foundation. That is why we're seeing all over the world right now that people are trying to get away from God's plan for redeeming the world and what they're building won't stand. It won't last. The first step of any single individual who encounters God by faith is to leave what you have known and go where you do not know. That is the first step. There is a leaving and a going. God told Abram, he says, now the Lord says to Abram, go forth, leave, go from what you have known. He wants to change the world, and he wants to do it through you. He tells Abraham to go from the country he grew up in, to go from his relatives, from his tribe, from his comfort zones, and even from his father's house. Go away from those places. It's a radical step away from a family that is broken to let God create a new family faith through you. There was no small thing that God asked Abraham. And what he is asking of you and of me when he wants to start something new. A new basis of a faith in God. If you grew up in a nation or a tribe or a family or a home that does not know or honor God, uh, then leaving them to form a new family of faith is really important. You can't build on a weak foundation. You've got to make sure the foundation is solid and and founded by God, and that new foundation has to be Jesus Christ. This is what Abram did. He left behind the flawed foundations of uh, pagan worship and of his culture to lay a new foundation that no one had ever laid before, with no guidance, no Bible, no church, no pastor to guide him or anything other than that God called him. This is hard and probably one of the most remarkable events in history of the world. Our connection to our family is so strong, even if it's a hard and abusive situation, our connection to our family is a powerful thing. Families may have problems, but by gum, there are families, right? 
for Abram to leave behind these traditions, these cultures, and these patterns of behavior, that was monumental. It was a huge step of faith. The person who makes this choice to break the pattern in the family, to begin a new one, is beginning a better family by God's design. And, but you've got to have courage to do this. I have met many people throughout my ministry, and I've, I remember meeting uh, one adult who was uh, active in ministry and married a pastor, and she told me that she did not grow up in the church, and she didn't know about God, and it was a family that had nothing to do with religion. And as a child, she would wait for a Sunday morning, and her parents would sleep in, and she would sneak out her bedroom window to get to the church down the block. She did everything she could to get to church because she realized, even as a child, the foundation that her home was built on was not working. And what she found down the road was a new family. She left, went from to something else. And it made all the difference in her life. Most people dream of the day, do you remember this? That you get free of your family, you strike on your own, be your own boss, remember that? I'm going to do what I think is best, no one's going to tell me what to do. If I want to stay up all night, I'll stay up all night. If I want to eat potato chips in bed, no one's going to tell me otherwise. And you might think that's what Abram did, but it isn't. Abram wasn't waiting to get free of his home, of his family, of his father. He left his country, yes. He left his tribe. He left his father's house and control and authority, but not to become his own boss. And this is the important point. This wasn't teenage rebellion. He left all that to make God his Lord and Master, the God of all creation. If you heard anyone express, my house, my rules. Well, I've said that more than once. Can you tell? I've rehearsed that many times. And I remember my dad saying it, and probably my grandfather said it, and my great-grandfather on down. I don't know where it began. Some of you might know. Are you old enough? I don't know when it started. My house, my rules. Say it lots of times. Many a father has learned to say that. Many a mother may have said that. The fundamental change that Abraham made, the difference that all others before him and since, that he embraced a different foundation, a different expression. He says, God's family, God's rules. And that's completely different. Maybe you grew up in a religious family or even an active Christian family that honored the God of the Bible. And it doesn't matter. Every generation has to recheck the foundation. And every generation has to renew a personal covenant with the God of creation and make that personal connection that makes God the head of the home. You can be a critical part of God's plan of, to bless this world, but the first step that Abram took has to be ours as well. We need to leave what we have known, especially if it is not honoring of God, and go to the new family of God that shapes the course of tribes and nations of the world. 
And then this builds. Genesis 12, we're going to look at the, the last part of verse 1 and then 2 and 3. To the land, he says, go from these things. He's, then God says, to the land. So you don't just leave something, you go to something. Go to the land which I will show you. And God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a global scale. He's starting out with one guy, and he's saying amazing promises to him, and says, these are all for you, and my plan is to infect the entire earth from sea to sea, from ocean to ocean, and it makes no difference. I want to change the world. And it'll be through one person who makes God his father. When we strike on our own, we think we, about how what we can do. We have hopes, we have dreams of the things we can build and become. Abram left his past to walk into God's future, believing in what God had promised. Not his dreams, not his ideas and thinking about the kind of suburb he wanted to live in or the house he would build. God has bigger plans, global plans. This is not a journey of self-confidence. It's a journey of faithful following, of a new head of the home, which is Jesus Christ himself when he becomes our Lord and Savior. Notice what God promises to Abraham. He says, I promise that if he will leave and start down a new road of faithfully following God, that God will bless him personally, that God will grant his reputation to end the world. He'll just make it really grand, and God will create a new faithful nation from his act of obedience. And God will use all of this to bring about his blessings to all the families of the earth. Well, that's a pretty big promise. What is even more amazing is God is still doing this right now. We are told in the New Testament by the apostles that all the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Noah, to Moses, and to all those, they are all your promises now. Because when you repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a part of that family that began with Abram. And those promises weren't with the one man, but for the whole family. And you get this too. He calls us to leave and cleave. You ever hear that expression? to him and begin going down a new road to establish a family of faith where God is the head of the home. You will need just as much faith and courage as Adam did if you take up this promise. But it all begins with a heartfelt, yes, Lord, and then little baby steps of obedience. If you do this, the impact is global. And you may not see uh, pretty much guarantee in your lifetime the impact of making those steps. Verse 4 says, So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And now Abraham was about 
75, I just had a birthday, 75 years old, I'm not that old yet, when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sari, his wife, and his and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, at the Oak of Morach. And now the Canaanites were in this land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to them. There are people here today, I'm pretty sure, who think that the promise of God to establish a family of faith in their life does not apply to them. If you're thinking that way, you would be wrong. I want to tell you about my Aunt Laverna. My Aunt Laverna has uh, been here and worshipped with us, probably listened to this message. Uh, my Aunt Laverna grew up in the same home as my mom, but my Aunt Laverna never married. She uh, went on, got a nursing degree, and uh, she went to Africa where she became a missionary nurse. She drove a Volkswagen van around Rhodesia, single, by herself, and back in the bush country, giving medical care and nursing aid. She taught uh, nurses over there and trained, uh, delivered a lot of babies in difficult situations. And uh, they only pulled her out when uh, the communists were threatening uh, her life. She came back to Canada, still not married, and uh, worked in hospitals here. My mom has gone on to be with the Lord, but I got to tell you, my Aunt Laverna adopted me. But I think I was her favorite, <laughs> just like I was my mom's favorite of all of our family. It's not a bias, it's just well known. <laughs> and and uh, she, she would adopt us and love us, the whole family, and she's like my mom. Uh, my, I have a mom in heaven, but she still uh, cares for me. She corrects me when I'm wrong. She'll listen to this message and send me an email saying where I went off track and make sure I'm true to the gospel, and she'll praise me when I really work hard for it. But she's still, in many ways, a mom. And she adopted my children as, like, her grandchildren. And now that I'm having grandchildren, it's like she's getting to be a great-grandchild. Uh, grandmother to them all. She, she takes personal credit for who we are. But she's not biologically my mom. Can you be single and know the promise of Abraham? You can. And that goes for fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. I grew up in the church. Uh, Mother's Day is always a special day for me. Because my father was preaching on Mother's Day when my mom uh, said, we need to leave church and go to the hospital because John's on his way. So dad didn't get to preach that Mother's Day, and I was born on Mother's Day on May 11th, 1958. Thank you. 
And uh, they brought me to church the next week, and I've been in church ever since. And I've never not been. And I've got to tell you, I've got more moms than I know, uh, more aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. And uh, the longer I walk with the Lord, I meet them all over the face of the earth. The family of God is big. And I've got to tell you, it's kind of like a mafia. Do you know what I mean? I know a guy. <laughs> I know someone that can take care of that. If you go to Africa and you're going to go, I know guys there. Go to Korea, I know guys in Korea. I know guys in the States. Name the city. I've often met people in the airport and find their people of faith, and we often end up knowing the same people. It's a little scary. But there are people all over the earth and there are people I've met that I've never known before, and once we meet and I realize they know the Lord, and that we're instant family. We're a part of this huge network out there. It doesn't matter who you are. This promise is for you as well. Abraham is 75 years old. He receives the call to begin a family. <laughs> Any of you 75 and up? Raise your hand. This is you too. <laughs> yeah, ouchie. 75. Start a family. Are you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's old. He's not likely to have more children. This promise of God is audacious, wouldn't you agree? And a little bit frightening. God chose him just the way he is. At that time in his life. So imagine this. God's looking over the whole face of the earth. He could have chose anyone for this beginning. And he says, I know the perfect man. Abram, 75 years old, prime of life. Let's choose him. But I also want you to notice there's no retirement in the Bible. 75, you should just get going, right? Amen. God was not put off by Abraham's circumstances. He is not put off by yours. Abraham started out on his own with God, but did you notice that he didn't go alone? Others followed. His wife came along, might have muttered under her breath and said, I don't know why we're doing this, but okay. His nephew Lot said, can I come? Not all his nephews, not all his relatives, but Lot said, I'd like to be in on this, and he came along too. They all took risks for a better life. Risk-taking, you are descendants of risk-takers if you're out west here. Someone uh, in your ancestry said, hey, I've got a crazy idea. Let's leave the east coast and let's go out west where we'll surely die in some winter storm. And we're here because of those courageous people out here, what we call out west from back east. Because someone had the courage to do this. Someone in my ancestry said, hey, let's get on a boat and cross the ocean and let's go to North America and who knows what will happen. But it can't be any worse than the way it is here in Denmark. And so they left. You have ancestors like that? There is no one more courageous and no one better to follow than a person who is called of God to begin a new family. 
his way. If you'll do it, others are going to follow you. They're going to watch you and say, hey, can I be a part of that? When you make that choice, you lay a new foundation, you start a new path for yourself, and there are going to be people who will follow you into that. We raised our family, and we were the weird family because Sandra and I were still together and married and still faithful to each other, and our kids would start inviting their friends over. You ever have that in your home where you can't get rid of the kids that come over to your home? Because they don't want to go back to their home. So you say, hey, can I stay here? Will you adopt me, please? You cook so good, Mrs. Yu. We had children come to our home, and uh, they would join us for supper, and they would sit at our table, and we did a bizarre thing. We would bow our heads, and we would say grace. And everyone did. And then as we ate, everyone had a uh, chance to tell their story, including the children that joined us for our meal. And they thought it was so bizarre. You know why? Because in their homes, there was no dining table. Everyone went home, grabbed something out of the fridge, threw it in the microwave, sat in front of the TV and ate it. People were coming and going at different times. It was a place where you ate and you slept and you hardly connected with your family. Our home was bizarre because we shared and we cared and then we prayed for each other because we started a family that said, this is God's family, it's God's rules. When you make that choice, when you lay that foundation, you start this new path for yourself and for the people who will follow you, who are looking for hope and a better life than this world keeps offering and it keeps failing to produce. Whether anyone goes with you or not, don't wait for them. Let them catch up as you follow God. But, you may say, I have no family. Maybe you have a business. Your new motto will be God's business, God's rules. Let's take that step of faith. The new motto for your life can be, it's God's life. It's God's way. Family could be made by others joining you and making that bonding around that same Lord, that same faith, that same blessings. Maybe you are married to someone who does not believe in God. By a faith-filled walk, they're challenged by that. But don't let that stop you. The new model of your life can be it's God's life. It's God's way. Invite your husband or your wife or your kids to join you in steps of faith and see if God doesn't do exactly what he promised him to do. The scriptures warns us not to put God to a silly test, but it also tells us to take God at his word and when he makes you a promise... You're supposed to rely on it, believe in it, act on it, and prove that God is faithful in all things. Test God in this, and you will find him faithful. If they don't follow, then challenge them to watch you as you make those leaps of faith into the arms of the faithful, loving God. Show them what they're missing. Invite them again to join you in that blessing of God. No one here needs to miss out on this great promise of, to Abraham and to family and great, God's great plan to re save this world through family. All you need to do is say, yes, Lord, and faithfully follow the Lord into the next step. God's audacious plan to change this world can happen and will happen through you if you will take out the promise that is to you and to your descendants after you.
Genesis verse 8 says, Then Abraham proceeded from there where he had set up this altar to the Lord, and he went uh, to the mountain on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and A on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram set up uh, the family tent between two valleys. He followed the Lord to this place and was promised that the world uh, and all that would be given to him and all that land would be there to him and his descendants so they can be a blessing to the whole world. This is his plan. And Abram did not know what was about to come, didn't know a lot about Bethel or A, because the names of those two places are foreshadowing of things to come in the life of Abraham. Abraham set up his family right there, and on one side is Bethel. And one of his descendants, his grandson Jacob, would sleep and receive a vision of God in Bethel. He would put his head on a rock and fall asleep. He would see angels ascending and descending on the ladder of God from heaven. And Jacob would, through all his doubts and fears and flaws that he had, he would begin to realize that God was with him. He named that place Bethel, the place where the door or the gateway to heaven. Jacob would go on and through all his struggles and his struggles with God would be renamed Israel. And his descendants would be, become the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel, of which we know as the nation of Israel, as the descendants of Jacob. But this all began with Abram settling and pitching his tent between Bethel and A. When you strike out like Abram and leaving the crumbling foundations of a forever family of faith in the living God, when you go to that, then you're on your way to becoming a house of God. Bethel, right here on earth where miracles happen, while angels ascend and descend and evil is defeated. On the other side is A, and it means house of ruins. It sat in the same direction as two famous places known as Sodom and Gomorrah. You ever hear of those places? It was a house of ruin because it's based on evil. It was on the house of destruction. It was a house of ungodliness. It was the house of the evil one, the house of the lost, a place of confusion about gender and sexuality and even in their own identity of who they were in the world, a place of experimentation and self-made, even remade people. This is a place of plastic surgery, plastic stuff, plastic people. Nothing is real, just happy masks placed over tragic lives lived apart from God's blessings. And so according to the biblical names and important meaning that is behind them, we can correctly say today that Abram had set up his tent between the house of God and the house of ruins. And God has set him there because he is giving Abram all of this land, the whole world. He made the promise, I'm going to bless you and your family, is going to own this land, both Bethel and A. 
the house of ruin. Now you and I, two friends, have been given this land we stand on. And we also have been dropped into the middle of two worlds. You ever feel that way? Over here is Bethel, the house of God, the way it's supposed to be, the way God intended to be, where people say God's house, God's rules. And on the other side is the house of this world. And I'm not sure that it's always comfortable between those two. All of us have a tent where we have set up a home, a place that we have accepted and approved as appropriate for our families to live. And our home is going to be somewhere between Bethel and A. And what that means, you've left A, you're on your way to Bethel, but you're not fully there. You're not fully into the house of God, but you're learning every day to draw closer to Father God and making him the head of the home. The house of God will triumph over the house of ruin. And that's why you're called from ruin to that, so that you can triumph by declaring God's promise of hope to those who have fallen into despair. You know what the promise is? It's found in Luke chapter 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Even as he quoted the book of Isaiah, he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recover of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. The Lord God is promising us all, the all this territory, all the way from A to Bethel, is all ours if we are faithful to us and our descendants. Remember he said as I started out this passage, I call all those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, he will say, there they shall be called the sons of God. There is a war going on right now for families. The world of A is seeking to make all families a house of ruins. Under the control, the influence of spiritual forces. God's plan is to save those homes, those families and raise them up from the ruins into new families, a house of God. God's plan isn't just to say to Abram, go from and to Bethel. He wants him to go back from Bethel and reclaim the ruins. Where? His promise was to every place on earth. Do you know how he wants to do this? He wants to do this through us through you, through me, through the blessings you will pour out through those who adopt the new model. Do you know what it is? God's house, God's rules. Through those who adopt a new foundation for a family of faith and a home where Jesus Christ dwells as Lord and Savior. Those who will follow him by faith, his leading, his leading, his pleading, will know his blessings. There are some from the house of ruins who will be offended by what we are sharing today. In fact, most are. But this choice and by this offer of redemption to their homes and change, it really doesn't matter whether anyone's offended or not because we must hold to the faith that is before us in Jesus Christ himself. Like the descendants of Abram, we must also say, as found in Joshua 
verse 24, chapter 24, verse 15. And this is what Joshua says. If this is disagreeable to you, what I'm just sharing with you now, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, God's house, God's rules, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether it's the gods of those which your fathers served. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know how you feel about it, brothers, and I don't know how you feel about sisters here. I think I might do, but I want my house to be known as a house of God. I want to see every house lying in ruins to be rebuilt on a new foundation in Jesus Christ and be raised up again by a new life, a fresh faith, and be redeemed. This is the promise. This is the purpose of God. For everyone here today, who here is for Bethel and who is against A? Who here is for building a family of faith which belongs to God and lives by his rules? God gives us a witness and wants us to say that to our families, to those who are around us, because there may be people who will follow you into that choice. Are you for that? Would you stand with me? I want to close with a prayer. Lord, it is as if we have stumbled into the book of Genesis itself. Here we are with our tents with Abram, standing between Bethel and A. And Lord, we know that your promises are audacious. They're huge. They're big. But to believe today that it isn't voting for a political party or a social reform program, it isn't even anything else but simply your promise to work through family that could change this world. And Lord, I don't think that any of us have the full extent and our understanding of the blessings you want to pour out that will come to us economically and politically, culturally, I don't think, Lord, there is a nation on earth that has yet to experience the fullness of what you want to do through families that are known as the house of God. Lord, I pray that we would begin to catch a glimpse of that and say, that's for me, I want in on that. That we would say, today I'm going to make that first step. I'm going to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be forgiven and washed clean. I'm going to take that journey. I'm going to take up God's promise as he made it to Abram. Lord, I'm going to accept that for myself. I pray that there will be here today. People will hear this message, both in this room and on the internet, and maybe later on they're listening to this message and they'll say, I want that too. Lord, if they're hearing that right now and you're speaking to them, I pray they'll make that commitment to you, that they'll repent of their sins. And they'll ask you to come into their hearts as Lord and Savior. And I believe by faith, Lord, as they stumble through their prayers and they say that right now, as they give their life to you, that you will do that. That they'll read John 3 and see what they've been given. And Lord, we begin that journey together as brothers and sisters. I also believe, Lord, there are people who heard this message who grew up in Christian homes that have a Christian heritage I pray, Lord, that they would take up this ancient promise that goes all the way back to Abram as their own, that they'll recheck the foundations, make sure that there aren't any cracks or flaws in it,
that they'll get back to the basics of what it means to have God rule their lives, to be their, not just their Savior, but their Lord. For we know, Lord, that the enemy always wants to corrupt. He's always against the family. He wants to destroy it and wipe it from the face of the earth. But, Lord, this is your plan. This is your hope. This is your desire. I thank you, Lord, for every brother and sister here today within the sound of my voice that knows this family of God. I thank you, Lord, for them all over the face of the earth right now. For, Lord, your family is not a small thing. It is huge, and it's growing every day. I thank you for the courage and for their faith that challenges me, for the correction, for their cheering. I thank you for that family that is already in heaven or in grandstands cheering us on right now to pursue the faith. For Abram, who says, this is for you too. Lord, we thank you for this. And we pray, Lord, that in our lifetime, we will see the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you all, and have a great Sunday. And ladies, do not forget your flowers. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.